Hey, Rich Fork, I only have one announcement for you, and that is a little less than a month away, and that is Easter weekend. April 16th and 17th is when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ that changes our eternity and our everyday. We want to invite you to be a part of one of our four services that weekend. Normally, we have our services uh, on Sunday at 8.30, 9.30, and 11. The only difference for Easter weekend is we're adding a service on Saturday evening at 6 p.m. So for Easter weekend, the 16th and 17th, that is Saturday, 6 p.m., Sunday at 8.30, 9.30, and 11 a.m. We look forward to you coming back in the room. If you haven't been back in the room yet uh, since we have been recording these and giving to the, these to you online, make this a, a Sunday to be back with us in person. We look forward to seeing you. Now, when I was growing up, uh, we would take family vacations and I would get really excited because my parents would supply us with one of these, uh, a Mad Lib. Now, I know this is old school and some of you may have, no, have not have any idea what that is, uh, but it's a little game and essentially inside of there are fill in the blanks. It works like this. There's a story on a page, but it's missing words, verbs, nouns, names, adjectives, all the grammar words. Uh, and it's an interesting game. And the more people that help you fill in the blanks, the better. And it gets pretty funny. As we would drive to the beach or wherever we were going, we would fill in the blanks and then someone would read back our hilarious story. But what if you were to play this game and you were using it to show others to fill in the blanks to describe, to allow others to show you, to fill in blanks to describe yourself. Might look like this. Michael Bowers is a noun. Be nice. On Pastor Michael's day off, he likes to put a verb. Or Pastor Michael's sermons are, again, be nice, adjective. On Sunday afternoons, Pastor Michael likes to go to name of a restaurant, to eat lunch with his family. What if the Mad Lib, though, those would be funny, but what if it got a little deeper and it really began to tell people about your character and your personality, your attitudes? And what would it look like if you had someone else fill in the blanks? What if someone else filled in the blanks regarding each of your roles towards serving others or being a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, probably not your spouse or your kids. But what if they had the opportunity to fill in these? Blank, put your name in, is a adjective, fill in the blank, servant. An adjective could be blue or yellow, but probably not in that context. How about a compassionate servant? I would consider, here's the next one, I would consider your name a blank worker, hard worker, diligent worker, not so diligent worker. When it comes to being a humble servant, blank is a, and then you're ranked. Choose a number between one and 10. Your, your family member, your coworker, one and 10, 10 being the greatest, one not so great. Or I would blank if your name was a soldier in a battle standing beside me. I would run, 
I would hide. I would stand strong. Now, as crazy as this exercise sounds, it's really exactly what Paul does for us in the next section of Philippians. He describes to a couple of his closest friends in verses 19 through 30. Now, for the past two weeks, we have been examining in some magnificent scriptures the attributes of Jesus Christ. Last week, we looked at the dangers of murmuring and complaining and and the reasons that we have to rejoice through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I realize it's been a heavy few weeks through Philippians. And today on the onset may feel lighter, but it is still of incredible importance. Paul is preparing to send two companions to Philippi to gain news of the church that he helped start and have the news brought back to him to encourage him while he is in prison. This is where we pick up in our relationship with Paul, a guy named Timothy, and another guy by the name of Epaphroditus. Now, before we examine the characteristics they have of men who are being sent, let's pray together. God, as we examine the characteristics, the fill in the blanks about Timothy and Epaphroditus, may we see and be challenged by their characteristics of a servant, of someone willing to sacrifice to be sent for the glory of God. Help us to grow from this, to learn from this, to be challenged by this, encouraged and reshaped in areas that need to be in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's read Philippians chapter 2, and we will read verse 19 through 30. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by the news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have to sorrow, have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Listen to these descriptions that Paul gives of these two men that he's sending back to the church of Philippi. He says, I have no one like him. He has a genuine concern for other. Again, if we were filling in the blanks of these two men's lives, these are the verbs, the nouns, the adjectives. He is a fellow worker. He's a fellow soldier. He's distressed. He rejoices. 
He risked his life because of the work of Jesus. These are characteristics not only to be carried by Timothy and Epaphroditus, but every follower of Jesus who is ready to be sent, ready to go for the purpose of communicating the gospel of Jesus. So let's back up. Let's examine a few of these characteristics and allow Paul's evaluation of these men to serve as evaluations of us as followers of Jesus. As we explore these characteristics for all of us as believers. Verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Paul has had a desire to send several men to the church of Philippi with the expectation that they will come back and they will encourage him. He says of Timothy, I have no one like him. The New American Standard translates it this way. I have no one else of kindred spirit. One soul, equal soul, connected. Paul is saying, out of all the people that I could send you, I am going to send you the one guy who is closest to me in spirit. If everyone else leaves me, I'll have Timothy. As we walk through these scriptures today, I pray that you will see and evaluate these characteristics of Paul and Timothy and a name that you don't see very often, again, Epaphroditus. And how can these characteristics shape us as we pursue joy, Jesus, others, and growth in yourself? So the first characteristic of being sent, good people serve alone, great people serve alongside someone else. Everybody needs a Timothy in their life. For many years, my companion, my Timothy, has been uh, a gentleman by the name of Mike Ferguson who has preached for us on various occasions. There are a few decisions that I have made in my life and in ministry and leadership, but there's only been a few that have not passed in front of him because he'll be honest with me. He'll be biblical. He'll be true. Another group of men who I have shared heavy decisions with since last September as we added elders to our church, Casey Hearn and Kevin Black and Keith Thompson. They are kindred spirits. Another person that comes to my mind is someone that I meet with monthly to help carry personal burdens, a guy by the name of Mark Gray who preached the first Sunday of this year here at Rich Fork. But all of these men, have gained that role in my life because we have been through joyful days together. Some of us have traveled together. We've walked in ministry together. We've experienced pain and turmoil together. We have held things in confidence for each other. We spent time in the Word together. A couple of those men, we've prayed together and cried together. But through it all, we've stood together. They have sat and listened to the realities of the impact of ministry and of day-to-day life in my life, and they have remained faithful and true. If we attempt to go into the battle of this world alone, then we will suffer the consequences. Paul is imprisoned, shackled, but still about to communicate with those who care for him. I am not alone in this difficulty. This world is evil. 
Our enemy is vicious. And he has a goal to destroy us. Scripture tells us that this world is the enemy's playground. And his desire is to lie, to cheat, to manipulate, to coerce us into vices and plans that in the end will leave us but a shell of ourselves. Broken relationships are the desire of the enemy. Broken homes are Satan's desire and plan. And isolation from other people is a whole part of our demise. It seems impossible to think that two years, and whether you're watching this on Saturday or Sunday changes this, but two years and four or five days ago was our first Sunday online due to COVID. One of the most difficult aspects for many people over the past two years, and maybe you watching at home, one of the most difficult aspects of this entire pandemic has been the isolation. Now, I'm not going to rehash the past two years and all the emotions that it can bring, but for many people, maybe you, isolation has become a destructive force. I read this week regarding the role of pastoring and caring for others, this statement from another pastor about being alone. He said, ministry is communal, meaning we do it together. He goes on to say, I've found over and over again how hard it is to be truly faithful to Jesus when I am alone. And as we continue to gear up for ministry and pray about adding new groups on Sundays and Wednesdays and figure out again what it feels like to live life together in 2022 and beyond. We are so committed to this that we are pursuing hiring a new staff member who will coordinate teaching and leading groups that meet on Sunday, meet on Wednesdays, other days, connecting new people, maybe you, into environments of accountability, characterized by biblical truth, honesty, compassion, and confidentiality so that you can have a Timothy and be a Timothy. Why? Because we want every person who's watching to be equipped to have a Timothy, someone that you are leading closer to Christ in their life, and become a Timothy to someone. Someone continued to pour spiritual growth in each of us. So two questions really form the rest of our time together today. Do you have a Timothy in your life? Someone that you are teaching, training, caring for spiritually. Are you a Timothy to someone else? Is someone above you, someone that is pouring into you godly counsel and wisdom? Now, it may be easier to answer that question, these questions, after we learn more about Timothy from Paul's description. After saying that there's no one like him, he says, Timothy, Timothy will be genuinely concerned for the welfare of others. In verse 20, he sincerely cares. It's an inner character that shines out of him. Timothy has a deep-rooted desire to serve and care for the people of Philippi or really wherever else Paul sends him. But how would Paul know this to be true? Because he'd seen it in his own life. He'd seen it the opposite of the attitude that he had made reference in verse 21. For they all seek their own entrance, not those of Jesus Christ. Paul had already witnessed those who had their own interests on their mind first and foremost. 
But when someone comes along like Timothy, when someone comes along who's a servant, authentic in their concern for others, they stick out. On a grander scale, Paul had witnessed those in ministry who had their own motives. So a characteristic of those being sent are those also who serve with authenticity, leave the greatest impact on the lives of others. Not only do we do better serving alongside of someone else, but when we serve others with authenticity, we leave the greatest impact. Timothy genuinely cared for the condition of the hearts of the people of Philippi, but also of his friend, his spiritual father, Paul. Verse 22 says, But you know Timothy's proven worth, how he, as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Paul says in this letter, which the church will read with Timothy, he's proven his worth. Timothy had not only impacted Paul, but the people hundreds of miles away who knew of this young minister. They knew he was almost a son to Paul. Not genetically, but emotionally. Because he served Paul through the good news of Jesus Christ, out of the grace of Jesus Christ. I've been so impressed by several of our teams over the past few months and years that have shown this type of authentic service. I've been impressed by our His Hands team the past few years. They have been so active the past two years, building ramp after ramp after ramp after ramp. I could do that about 40 times. They do so with great efficiency, but greater than how quickly they build a ramp is how humbly they do it. They also present the message of Jesus in each of these moments. I was also impressed just a couple of weekends ago by our student volunteers in our host home for D Weekend. These volunteers worked their full-time jobs all week, then they gave up their weekend, they gave up their sleep, maybe a little bit of their sanity in order to do what? Love and teach Jesus to our students. To communicate the message of Jesus Christ. They are serving with us, hand in hand, with the gospel. When we talk about being partners in the gospel at Rich Fork, whether that's serving in preschool or Awana or volunteering to stand behind a camera while I talk to it, leading worship, driving golf carts, teaching a group, whatever the case, we are working together as partners to present the hope of Jesus. The attitude which must prevail in each of these areas is not, how does this benefit me? Rather, how can each person take better care of each other as we serve for the gospel. To those that God has placed into our lives, we must be asking, do I care more for my well-being of others than my own? Now, I try not to single out any group of people when I'm preaching. But men in the room, young men, maybe you consider yourself an aging man, husbands, males, if you could just pay attention to what's exemplified and lifted up here as greatness in this passage. Greatness is parallel to servanthood. 
Not that we would pursue servanthood to be great, because that's counter the humility we saw in chapter 2. This is not Paul's way of creating a new Christian subculture in the church. WWTD, what would Timothy do? Raising him to new levels of super-Christian stardom. He is simply letting people in Philippi know this. I am sending you the best man I know to check on you. And the best men that I know that I want to send to you are servants. They are authentic and they're concerned for me. And they will be for you. If you're a husband listening and watching, Paul later tells us, love your wife as Christ loved the church. If you're married today, let me give you an inside track on creating a healthy marriage. If you're married, let me not marry, let me once again open your eyes to a quality that you need to see and be in a future spouse. Become a husband who authentically loves to serve his wife. Dads, become a father who authentically loves to serve his children. Now again, I know I could apply this to every role of the home life, but men, if you become an authentic servant to your wife, you have become the most attractive man in any room to your bride. Men, if you are searching for a wife, if you desire a godly wife, let me let you in on a rather large secret. The bride you're looking for does not ultimately care how much you can lift at the gym. The bride doesn't necessarily care how many friends you have on Facebook. They partially don't care where you work or how much you make or how nice of a beard you can or can't grow in No Shave November or what size deer that you can put in the freezer. What will draw her to you and keep you close to her heart is if you become a genuine servant to her through the good news of Jesus Christ. Not for the hope of personal gain or what's in it for you, but because your love for your wife, for your children, for your family is first above yours. We could again apply this to any relationship and, and ask it this way, do I care more for the well-being of others than my own. I know Paul is not presenting a marriage enrichment seminar and sending Timothy, but what he is sending are glaring characteristics of two servants that we must apply to our daily lives and our relationships. At times when you walk through the study of one of the books of the Bible, it's hard to see the application in our living, but these truths can be applied to us as husbands, can be applied to wives, can be applied to any believer. Remember, this is written to the church. Any believer who's in a role of leadership and serving someone else. This is all tied directly to our view of Jesus Christ that Paul painted in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 11. Jesus became a humble servant and in order to create a way for us to experience salvation and eternity. How? By humbly serving us on a cross. Timothy is a living example of what Paul has been writing in the earlier sections of chapter 2, humility and servanthood. He continues in verse 22, but you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. 
Timothy had been with Paul on the difficult journeys. And the one that would send him to Philippi would not be an easy one either. Traveling in this culture in this time period was not just hopping on a plane and grabbing an Uber and staying at a nice hotel. Everything about ministry in Paul's day 2,000 years ago was difficult. Timothy and Paul both lived and knew that ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. He would send Timothy to to them, but he would also send someone else who had experienced suffering in other ways, a man by the name of Epaphroditus. Verse 25 begins to fill in the blanks of his story. It says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Another characteristic of being sent, of serving others, is a dedicated servant will stand with, fight alongside, and make sacrifices for those under their care. Epaphroditus has an interesting story, only given to us in these few verses in Philippians. He had been sent from the church at Philippi to Paul to bring him their financial support and the gift of encouragement. While serving Paul, he becomes sick to the brink of death. Yet eventually, by God's grace, regains his health. And now he's going to be sent back to Philippi to give them the peace of his condition, but also of his servant attitude to go back to the people. Paul calls him a brother, a fellow worker, a soldier, a messenger in time of need. The word brother. If you've ever traveled to a gathering of Baptist pastors, it could be called the brother convention. You could even take my name tag and change my name and just put brother on it. Paul's not saying it in a quick nickname way. It is a term that is reserved for someone who knows me, cares for me, looks out for me. Epaphroditus is my brother. He's also, he says, a fellow worker. Think about this. Following his sickness, which almost killed him, Epaphroditus is now in Rome to care for Paul while he's being arrested, bringing him food, assisting him. He's there for him. This is not a glamorous season in Paul's missionary career. They're not sailing the oceans to new cities or going to speak at conferences. Epaphroditus is taking care of an imprisoned leader of the church. And he's doing it so well that Paul is taking notice. And he wants, when this letter is read, to share the example. He's also a fellow soldier. Epaphroditus knew he was in a spiritual battle, but he was also in a physical battle with tests because Paul later on says this about him in verse 27. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. Paul wants to send Epaphroditus back to the people of Philippi so they'll settle down. They want to see their messenger face to face. They knew the value he had in their community, the trust they had in him. Paul had seen it. And he was ready for them to be filled with joy 
upon his return. Another characteristic of those being sent, a dedicated servant is a messenger of the gospel and a minister to those in need. Verse 25, he says, you are a messenger and a minister to my need. He's a soldier, he's a brother, he's a fellow servant, and now he's a messenger, one who carries a specific message to a specific people. He delivered a message to Paul, and Paul would send a message back with him. Messenger is the word of which we get the word apostle. He was careful in the delivery of the message, but he committed to ministering to the needs of Paul. Epaphroditus was a servant. This word for minister, servant, is only used five times in the New Testament. It's a word that denotes great honor or service. Committed to a special service to someone or for someone or something. As in someone who performed a holy duty in a temple. It was a term used to describe someone in service to a king. Charles Spurgeon once said, If God has called you to be his servant, then why stoop to be a king? We live in a world surrounded by needs. We have the message of Christ to proclaim the calling to go, and the power to do so. Think about the structure of chapter 2. He talks about the example of Jesus as the ultimate servant. He displays Him as a servant who even unto death on a cross. Then He outlines the calling of obedience. And in a way, only Paul could do it. He gives two practical examples of servants who model the example of Christ before him, Timothy and Epaphroditus. You see, for them giving their life through the cause of Christ was not something that happened in just one miraculous million-dollar moment. They were found to be faithful in the daily small tasks, the routines. The moments that would not make the headlines not even be described on paper. But Paul and Epaphroditus, they weren't headline guys. They weren't looking for the big spiritual payoff or the next opportunity to be the next Paul, the next big thing. They were not faithful to Paul, only looking for their big moment. Fred Craddock, a teacher of preaching, said, We view giving our lives to serve the Lord as one blank check moment. Here's my life. Let me write a check, the value of my life, and place it before the Lord and profess, I'm giving my all to Jesus. Some of you may know the hymn that sounds somewhat similar to that. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. I surrender all. But surrendering all the way that Timothy and Epaphroditus did so took place over time. The reality is our following Christ through examples such as these two men is not only one moment of professing Christ, but in the hundreds uh, hundreds of little moments that signify the change that's happened along the way. I said earlier that it's not the million-dollar aha moment that Timothy and Epaphroditus are being highlighted for. 
Instead, our modeling Jesus happens in more what I want to call quarter moments than in the million dollar ones. The examples of these two men display consistency, faithfulness, long-term commitment, a willingness to do anything for their brother Paul. So let me look at a few of the small things, the unnoticed moments they had with Paul. Bring Paul food. That's a quarter moment, right? Nobody's going to notice. Clean his face. Maybe in prison they had a moment where they tried to just clean him up. That's that's not a a big grand moment in front of a group of people. No, that's a, a hidden moment. It's a quarter moment. Help transpose his letter. Bring food to the guards that are holding him hostage in prison. Weep with him. There's another moment. It's not the front page moment. It's not the million dollar moment. Encourage him every morning. Applying verses 19 through 30 is not walking out of here and crying, I'll serve the Lord for others the rest of my life, but I want to do it in one moment and one declaration, and then I'm done. Church, it's the opposite. It's the quarter moments. Inviting a neighbor for supper. Serving in a local shelter, providing food. It's writing a letter to a pastor, to a friend of encouragement. It's a quarter moment. Take a few days off to serve. Babysit for a a single mother. Nobody may ever know your commitment to pray for and to encourage a friend. Transport a friend to the doctor. Serve foster children in our community. That's probably a little more than a quarter moment. But I hope you understand. We are called to live for Christ every day in these small moments. Yes, the large moments come, the blank check moments. Do whatever you want with my life, Lord. But oftentimes, it's daily. Scripture says, take up your cross daily and follow Him. Could it be that we're missing some of the quarter moments as we sit around waiting for the million dollar moment? I want my big moment to shine and I'm missing the moments to truly impact people. These two men display for us in everyday moments the consistency to give all that they had, the authenticity each and every day as servants of Christ. And Paul is so excited to send these two men to a group of people he loves. He says in verse 29, So receive him in the Lord with joy. Honor such men. Why? Because he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Not the whole church. The entire church didn't come. But Epaphroditus did. If we're quite honest, our culture doesn't herald the characteristics mentioned here today in men, women, or anyone. These are a few of the characteristics declared for us to live as a result of trusting in Christ, serving alongside each other in order to bring joy to our church and our community. So if I could narrow this down to a handful of questions. Who are you serving? Is your serving authentic? Are you willing to sacrifice for those under your care? Do you 
view your service as an extension of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who are you serving? Is it authentic? Are you willing to sacrifice? Do you view your serving as an extension of the gospel, the hands and feet of Jesus? We've been given an incredible example of two men who served Paul well. May we serve our community with the same characteristics. Let's pray. God, as I was preparing for this, I had planned not to walk through these two men. Because for many, it just seems like, oh, here's Timothy and Epaphroditus, but there is so much for us to learn here. These men weren't out for the highlight reel. They weren't out to get a bunch of followers on their social media page for being on the platform with Paul. The million dollar moment. Instead, they would consistently, consistently, authentically, with a willing of servanthood and sacrifice, sit with Paul, give him things to eat, food and drink, care for him, provide for him, weep with him, rejoice with him. And now they are being sent. God, you've given us the command to go into all nations to make disciples, to baptize them, to teach them all that we, you have commanded us. So may we do so with these characteristics. Never going alone. Serving alongside as a servant. Being consistent. Being authentic. Looking for the little moments that make a big difference. God, give us the eyes to see those moments and their importance. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you much, so much for joining us. We'll be back next week, and then we hope to see you in person on Easter weekend.